Thank you for listening to Quest Church San Diego. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at questsd.com. Again, that's questsd.com. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. Thank you for listening. My name is Nick Moon, and I uh, help direct the students' ministry here uh, alongside a very awesome team with uh, Julie, Sam, and Maddie. And you may have met my family, Dr. Mallory Moon, and our five-year-old daughter, Stella, and our one-year-old, Silas. Mallory is uh, always telling me not to introduce her as Dr. Mallory Moon because it embarrasses her, but Dr. Mallory Moon. Um, I've been told today, gentlemen, that there will be root beer floats. And that there is Dad's Root Beer and Beef Jerky out there. You probably saw that on your way in. So go ahead and make sure you help yourself to some of that and kick back and relax a little bit today. Um, And we got a little bit of a Father's Day message today. I love being a dad. I think it's my favorite thing in life. It's the most rewarding thing I've ever been a part of. It's the scariest thing I've ever been a part of. And I just... I love my kids. I look at them sometimes and I just, I can't believe they're real. I can't believe this is really happening. And then there's the times where, you know, they wake me up at 3 a.m. and I just can't believe this is happening. (laughs) But I love my kids. I love it. And one of my favorite things about being Stella and Silas's dad is, is giving them gifts. Now, when I give something to Silas, he's one. You know, he doesn't really show me a whole lot of appreciation, but in time, he'll like that pirate ship that we got him for his birthday. Stella, on the other hand, I love giving her things because she'll she'll just start playing with it and get all excited about it and want to know everything that's going on with it. You give her books and toys and Legos, and I'm a big Lego fan, and I I, uh, started getting Stella into Lego, and I'll pick up a few sets for her here and there, or maybe there's a particular character that she wants, and I'll go find that on eBay or something. Um, and uh, pick up a piece for her little Lego house. This week it was a pterodactyl that she wanted, so we got her a Lego pterodactyl, and you can imagine the sound effects that she had in our living room as she flew that thing around the house. It was very loud, but she was happy, and I loved seeing that. I love giving Stella Legos. It's like giving her pieces to her own little world. And she gets to expand her little Lego world and build and enjoy and play with her creation. And today we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, which is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. This is where we will be most of this morning. And it's a fitting chapter for Father's Day. Now typically, on Father's Day, men receive gifts from their children or their Amazon account that they get themselves. But today in Romans 8, We're going to talk a little bit about the gifts that we have from God the Father. And right off the bat, I just want to be clear that this isn't an exhaustive list. We're not going to highlight every single thing in there. It's going to feel like we did, but we're we're going to skip some things just for the sake of time. And this is not by any means a complete survey of all the blessings that we have in Christ. I was going to try to itemize the different gifts that we'll see like one, two, three, four. But there's just so many of them in this chapter. And they're all interconnected, and they all build off of one another and anticipate each other. 
So I want you to follow along in this chapter like it's one big Lego set. We're going to take Romans 8 and we're going to dump the pieces out and we're going to watch God's design come together as we go through this chapter, his gift of salvation to us. I hope that through this survey, as we start to look at the pieces of our salvation, the gift that we have in Christ, that our world, our understanding of God's love and his gifts will grow and expand and that he would be most glorified and celebrated as our Father. All right, so Romans chapter 8, Paul is writing in verse 1. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Here's a gift. Freedom in Christ. Walk back just a few verses to chapter 7, verses 24 through 25, and you're going to see Paul talking about his sin. He says, Wretched man that I am, Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. You can hear Paul's frustration with his sin. Paul has concluded in that chapter that when he keeps God's law, he is acknowledging that God is good and right. But when Paul sins, he is demonstrating his failure and inability to keep the law to be righteous. But Christ has set us free to a new law. The law of sin and death was us operating in our own power. But the law of the spirit of life is Jesus operating God's power in us. Next, we'll see the gift of salvation through Christ. His life and his sacrifice. Verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin... He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who, set, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Next, we are given new life in the spirit. A new way of life through following Jesus and yielding to the Holy Spirit. Not like the old way of life. Not like the old law. See, in Christ, we not only have forgiveness of sin, but also the restoration has begun. And we are freed from our old ways of sin. Even our mind is being renewed through the Holy Spirit. Our thoughts and focus are being set on his work, a new life, a peaceful life. Verse 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, before Christ... If it was just up to our power to keep God's law, it would be pointless. If we were to count on our own righteousness, we'd keep some laws, break others, and ultimately, for that effort, be found guilty of sin all the same. Under sin, we cannot please God. But now, thanks to the gift of his salvation and freedom from sin, we can 
please God. Verse 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus, Christ Jesus from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. There's some good gifts in this section. And one of them you may have already picked up on from earlier verses. And that is the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Your faith, if your faith and hope are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. God is with you. There's something else I want to point out about the Holy Spirit for us today from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. This is Paul writing, and he says, In him, Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. We'll hear a little bit more on that inheritance in a little bit. But the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that God will complete his salvation in you. See, here's another gift. Sin causes death. But the Spirit causes you to live. And since we were sinful earlier in this verse, whose righteousness is this? It can't be ours. We could not please God. So whose righteousness is being talked about here? It's Christ's. It's Christ's righteousness. It's called the imputed righteousness of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, Paul tells us, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. And we see that in verse 11 there, that new life. This is more than the new life that we experience now in Christ. This is anticipating something. This is looking forward to the future. This is talking about the resurrection from death. The same power that raised Christ from the dead will raise you up from that grave. The same God that defeated death defeats death in you. The same spirit that created life at the very beginning will not let death be your ending. And there's still more. Verse 12. So then, brothers... We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Don't miss this one. This is a great gift here. You know that we have been freed from sin, but realize also that this means we have been freed to live in the Spirit. You can live in that righteousness that Christ has given you. Your life becomes his life. Your heart, his heart. You want that newness of life that we just heard a little bit about? You don't have to wait till the resurrection to get a hold of it. It can start now. We aren't on our own to live this life either. We have another gift from God. Not only are we dwelt by the Spirit, we are led by the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit into this new life that we have in Christ. We are led by the Spirit into Christ's righteousness. 
And when you are led by the Spirit, you will live and sin will die. And being led by the Spirit, it's not rigorous rule-keeping. It's not the law. It's not worrying about getting things right all of the time. It's life. It's joy. It's peace. It's freedom. It's love. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Following the Spirit leads to joy. Verse 15, back in Romans chapter 8, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Father, Abba. Two terms. They mean about the same thing. Abba is Aramaic, uh, the Aramaic term for father. And Jesus used this term in reference to God the Father when he was praying in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. And then Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but pater is the Greek word for father. And we see both of them right here. Now, we really have a Father's Day message cooking up. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. A little note on adoption in the times of the Romans, just to fill out some of the concepts here that we're reading about from Paul. This would have been in his readers' minds. This would have been part of his mindset when he was writing this, is the Roman idea of adoption. Laws enacted by the Emperor Augustus granted more privileges to Roman citizens with children. And adoption, which was already a legal procedure at the time in the Greco-Roman world, became popular in response to these new laws. Now, when we think about adoption, typically we think of younger children being adopted. But in this Roman day and age, adoption could be of adults and their entire family along with them. Childless families or nobles could adopt grown men and their entire family. And sometimes this would cause lower class individuals to jump ahead in the social and political realms. And not only legally were they considered their children, but socially they were as well. Society viewed these adopted individuals as full legal and soci- with full legal and societal consideration, just as if they had been born naturally into their new family. And this is the picture of our adoption. Paul's use of adoption here illustrates for us the reality of our being brought from sin into the family of Christ. It's as if we had been born naturally into God's family. We were lifted up from where we were and brought into this new home, a new belonging. And not only were we legally justified by Christ, considered fully-fledged children of God, but you are so much God's child, Paul says that you can call to him as Abba, the same term that Jesus used to refer to his father is the same term you use now. Children also emphasizes here the familial relationship we now enjoy with God. And then the use of the 
term sons here speaks to another aspect of our adoption, and that is the inheritance that we heard a little bit about in Ephesians. Our glorification with Christ, our eternal and resurrected life. Now just hold this idea in your mind as we read the next bit, this next section. An inheritance, typically, is sharing in the reward of the work of your parents that they have done. Or in this case, in Romans 8, an inheritance is sharing in the reward of the work that your father has done. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now glory here, I found just personally, is something that's easy for me to miss or kind of glance over. So I want to call attention to it today so that we all pick up on this. The glory Paul is describing here is the inheritance that we have as children of God. So I wanted to set the stage a little bit before we kept reading this. The glory is part of our inheritance. The revelation of the sons of God is the fulfillment of our adoption as God's children. The glory is the fulfillment of what God has given us in Christ. It is the resurrection from death to eternal life. It is the new body freed from suffering and the curse of sin. It is the eradication of decay and death in us and the new world. Futility will be undone. All things will be made new again. The cosmos, the created order of the universe, now subjugated to corruption, will be unbound and liberated. And we will be ennobled in the resurrection to a new and eternal life. God's work in us finally completed and perfected. All of that and the revelation of Christ King, reigning, present, manifest to his creation, Emmanuel eternal. Romans 8 verse 19 says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have, been, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is just a small taste of the inheritance that you have as a child of God. And it's yours through Christ. You are God's children. Verse 26, Paul continues. He says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. And because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The gift of the Holy Spirit just keeps on giving here. The Holy Spirit, he intercedes, he prays on your behalf. And since he always works and moves in accordance to the perfect will of God, because he is God, when the Spirit intercedes for you, he is doing so perfectly in step with God's will. 
Verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That is the will in which the Spirit prays for you. That's the will in which God works, his good will. The design that all things, even suffering, ultimately will be used for good. Now, this doesn't mean nice cars and picture-perfect family lives. Paul is well aware of the suffering that the church endures. Earlier, Paul points out that our suffering is proof of our identification as God's children, our sharing in Christ's suffering. And that good that Paul mentions in verse 28 is that present and future fulfillment of our adoption, our inheritance. So it's all coming together. God's will is working. His purposes are being fulfilled. And we are witness to the glory of his goodness for us. Verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Called, justified, glorified. Three more gifts to add to the list. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he also not with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So now, not only the Holy Spirit interceding, but now Christ. God so loved you that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins so that you would be saved. And Christ did not begrudgingly take our place. If anyone was to condemn us, it would be Christ, right? But instead... He died on our behalf to take the judgment for our sin and fulfill that righteous payment that we never could. And then he was raised to life, defeating death, now not only offering salvation and forgiveness from sins, but also eternal life. And in his resurrection, he is glorified and at the right hand of the Father. And what does Jesus do with his authority and power? Does he regret what he went through to save us and change his mind? No. In his authority and glory, he intercedes on your behalf. The gift and the ministry of Christ is continuing. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. We heard a little bit last week about life's dark and rocky roads from Pastor Todd. And these believers that Paul is writing to were also facing uncertainty and fear, vexed by evil and persecution in their world. But in Christ, as Pastor Todd reminded us, in Christ, we can face everything in this life with hope. Knowing who our Father is, is good. Is there anything that is going to get between God the Father and his children? 
Who could revoke your salvation when it is God who paid it all to forgive you? What could possibly separate you from his love now? Could anyone rob you of what God gives you? Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Worship team, if you want to go ahead and come on back up here, we're going to need to praise God after reading this chapter. Nothing can separate us. Why is Paul so certain of this? He's convinced of this. Why? Look back at this chapter and you'll notice that we've already visited creation and the fall. Now think back on your Old Testament history. Remember Egypt and Moses and Pharaoh's chariots chasing Israel across the sea. Remember the enemy kingdoms that subjugated Israel and the prophets. Remember every doom that once threatened to wipe out Israel but never succeeded. Remember your New Testament history. King Herod, the Pharisees, the very wind and the waves, the cross and the tomb. Even the devil himself gave it his best shot, but nothing could stop the Lord. Not devils, not kings, not crosses, nor graves. There is no power to stop him. There is no future without him. There is nothing that will be able to separate you from the love of your Father. So how do we know that God works all things together for the good of those who are called to his purpose? Because he's been doing that this whole time. From the very beginning, God's purposes have not been thwarted. And that's not going to change anytime soon. Reading back, Romans 8, 38. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, you are good. And we thank you for your love, and all the gifts that you give us in your salvation. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your leading in our lives. Thank you for your, your prayers. Christ, Lord, we thank you for your gift and sacrifice. We thank you for your life and the hope that we have through you. We thank you, God the Father, for all that we have, all that you give us. We thank you that you work all things for your glory and that we will be witness to your goodness and inheritance in our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at We'd love to hear from you. God bless you.